0: God's word is our great and shall be ours forever. To are you a planner? Some people want to have every detail of a trip figured out before they leave, where they are going to stay each night, exact times of arrival, where they will eat along the way. Other people just jump in the car and say, We'll figure it out as we go. I suppose there's a time and place for each approach. But because time is so precious to us, I mean, we only get so much of it. We don't want to waste it. Because it's so precious to us, we plan so we can make the most of our time. The Bible has something to say about planning. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Planning is necessary. Imagine what would happen if a state or local government or a business or even a church did no planning. The Bible also reminds us that any good that comes from our planning is still only because of God's blessing. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord establishes their steps. And the Bible urges us to make sure our plans are in keeping with God's will for us and his purposes for our lives. Because if not, well, then no matter how efficient our planning might be, our time will have been a complete waste. Take, for example, the man in Jesus' story in Luke chapter 12. But first, let's pray. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Amen. Luke chapter 12 verse 16. And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, "What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops." This man is wildly successful in business. He's so successful that he's got a problem. Where to store his wealth? Such a problem to have, right? But don't worry. He has a plan. Verse 18. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Do you remember the ad, There are some things money can't buy? For everything else, there's MasterCard. It was one of the most successful ad campaigns of all time, running for something like 20 years. I I think the very first ad was this one. A father and his son go to a baseball game. The camera closes in on the boy's expectant face. Then on the glove he pounds enthusiastically. The voiceover: Two tickets to the season opener, eighty-eight dollars and fifty cents. Two programs, a hat and a glove, sixty-five dollars and ninety-eight cents. Two hot dogs, six dollars. Suddenly the crowd leaps to its feet. The boy stabs at the foul ball coming his way, and the voiceover continues: His first fly ball. priceless. Then the tagline scrolls across the blackened screen and the voice reads, there are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. The end is pretty blunt, isn't it? Sure, money can't buy you happiness, of course not, but it will create the experiences that will bring you happiness, the experiences that will bring meaning to your life. That narrative is pounded into our heads at an alarming rate. On a typical day, from the time we log into our newsfeed with a cup of coffee in our hand till we doze off in front of another episode of The Bachelor with a glass of wine in our hand, experts estimate that between four and 10,000 ads will cross our vision. All telling us to buy something we don't know we need to impress people we may not even like. I read that in America, storage units generate an annual profit of $40 billion. In the U.S., we have over 49,000 storage units, taking up 1.9 billion square feet. That's more than the rest of the world combined. Makes you wonder, do we measure success by how much stuff we have and how many square feet we store it in? Back to Jesus' story, verse 19. The rich man says, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus offers this commentary on his story. This is how it will be with Whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This rich fool no sooner gets it figured out. No sooner gets to a point in life where he can just kick back, spend his days in a golf course, or cruising on his 40-foot yacht, dining at the most expensive restaurants. I mean, he's never going to have to work again a day in his life. And then he dies, suddenly, unexpectedly. He dies. On a personal note, I went out yesterday and visited my barns where my grain is stored. Well, not literal barns. I checked my 401k. And I know the market's had some ups and downs, but I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. I think I have enough stored up that one day I'll be able to sit back and enjoy life. Maybe buy a little lakefront property, do a little fishing, Maybe get myself one of those pontoon boats and take a sunset cruise around the lake every night. Then I read Jesus' story and I went to bed last night and hoped I didn't die. Well, not really. Let's be clear. Jesus' point is not that wealth is a sin. If God has blessed you materially, enjoy it. The abundance of wealth is not a sin. If God has blessed you abundantly, enjoy it abundantly. So, Then where is the problem? Where did this guy in Jesus' story go off the rails? Well, in two ways. The first was that he thought he owned the stuff rather than just managed it. You can hear it in his words. He says to himself, I've got no place to store my grain. What will I do? This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there store my grain and I will take life easy. Notice there's, there's no mention of God's goodness to him. No, it's all about me, my barns, my grain, my life. No thought of helping others. No, eat, drink, be merry. Where should he have put the abundance of his grain? How about in the mouths and the bellies of the poor? If you want to love God more, then give more of your money away. How easily we talk about my job and my house and my money. And there's a sense in which that's true, of course. God has entrusted it to us. But have we forgotten it's just ours to use for a while? That we're the manager, He's the owner. A wealthy man had his pastor over for lunch after a particularly annoying sermon on money. And the rich man pointed at his luxurious house, his acres and acres of pristine property, and he said, Pastor, are you really going to tell me this is not mine? The pastor said, ask me the question again in a hundred years. If God has given you the means to enjoy the finer things in life, by all means, enjoy them. But Jesus also says, watch out, be careful. You see, Satan is so clever that he can turn those blessings into traps to get you to think that life is about accumulating things instead of helping others. The rich man made the mistake of thinking he was the owner, rather than the manager of God's blessings. And he made a second mistake. He lost perspective. He thought stuff would provide lasting security. He said, I will say to myself, You have plenty stored up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And the next morning, probably it was one of his employees, found him dead. They buried him, and on his tombstone, God himself wrote the word, fool. There's a rather remarkable collection, not far from where I'm recording this, a collection of things that people have devoted their lives to acquiring, things they have worked for and sacrificed for, their treasures. It is one of the largest and most impressive collections of such things around. It's just just a few miles from here, there's a big sign out front, Rumkey. It's one of the most impressive landfills you will ever see. You work hard all your life, and for what? So you can watch it rust and rot, so you can leave it to somebody else, and who knows whether they will appreciate it or what they will do with it. If you spend your life planning on how you can accumulate more stuff for the here and now, You are a fool. So often in our foolishness we have believed the lie Madison Avenue tells us. So often we have acted as though we own the things God has entrusted to us. So often we have felt secure in things instead of God. But we look to the cross where Jesus is covered with our sins of greed and materialism. And we know that he is paying the price for all of us. Why would he do that? Because he loves us that much. You see, this is God's plan to restore us as his children by rescuing us through the sacrifice Jesus made for us. How do you get greed out of your life? Someone has suggested it's, it's like this. How do you get air out of a cup? You can't dump it out, shake it out. No, you, ha- you have to put something else in the cup. You fill it with water. How do you get greed out of your life? You, you fill it with something else, with Jesus. My life is not about what I own. It's not about lakefront property or storage units full of stuff. It's about who I am in Christ. In Him, I am forgiven. In Him, I live now and eternally. And with that Spirit-given confidence, I plan I plan how I can use the time He has entrusted to me to His glory. Next week, we, re- we return to our study of Exodus. We're at chapter 4. We last saw Moses at the burning bush, getting his marching orders, reluctant as he was. Now we'll follow him to the court of Pharaoh and witness the dramatic confrontation between a tyrant bent on oppressing God's people and the great I Am who is planning to set his people free. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.